me just give a little background to Matthew 5. Last week, we looked at how Jesus, having completed his fast and then hearing that John the Baptist was in prison, he leaves his hometown Nazareth in verse 13 and goes to Capernaum and begins to live there, which is by the sea in the regions of two Jewish tribes, Zebulon and Naphtali, that it would be fulfilled by the prophet who said that people who sat in darkness would see a great light, and upon those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. So in Isaiah 9, the verses preceding, verse 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, uh, talk about this region of Israel being blessed with the dawning of the light. Now, in the in the context for that, there was judgment also pronounced on this region because of their sin and their consulting witchcraft and dealing with um, other things that we won't get into today. And we see in history it being fulfilled through the attack of the Assyrians. God allows their enemies to attack them whenever they strayed from him because his covenant with them was, I've got your back if you walk in relationship with me. And so when they would get into idolatry and other things, God would back off and their enemies would hammer them. And they would cry out to God for help and deliverance and he would come through. And so when the Assyrians came in, this is the north side of Israel. I don't have a map to show you like I did last week. Um, the region of Galilee, that's where the Assyrians hit first before they went in the rest of the land and carried off people captive and, and uh, things like that happened. And so here this land that has been judged, is going to be blessed. And here it is happening in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, Verse 16, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region, a shadow of death light has dawned. So that was a prophecy. And then uh, just a few verses later, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He is that light that has dawned. And then verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent. But the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he begins to call disciples, call people to follow him. And he went throughout all Galilee, verse 23, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So this began to affect the whole nation. People from regions beyond even other countries were coming to the region of Galilee. Now, Galilee was blessed with this prophecy, and so there is where the light began to really dawn on them as their Messiah. Now, what's unique about this region is the Sea of Galilee is a lake. It's the lowest, in terms of its elevation, it's the lowest lake, freshwater lake, uh, on the Earth's surface. Now, the Dead Sea is lower, but it's not fresh. (laughs) So it's the lowest. And so around there is an atmospheric condition that is unique to anywhere on the whole planet. And around that lake are certain meadows where you can stand and without a PA system speak in a normal voice. Ideal place to come and speak to multitudes. You have the water refracting the sound. 
You have Jesus with the authority to calm the waters so the waves don't distract. You have the acoustical dynamics of this part of the earth's surface. If you ever go to Israel, you have got to go to Galilee and have your guide take you to to one of the acoustical meadows so you can see this. You can experience it. I did. It was just like incredible. So he came there and was healing people and teaching them. And his region spread beyond where people came from other places. It's like a natural amphitheater to speak to huge crowds more than any other place on on the planet. And seeing the multitudes, he goes up in a mountain and he begins to teach and begins to give blessings to the people with what we call the Beatitudes. And uh, at the tail end of that, he begins to talk to them about who they are. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So salt is a preservative. Salt fights infection. Salt melts ice. Salt adds flavor. If it doesn't do that, then it's just as good as dirt, right? And he says we are the salt of the earth. There's, there's something about us that is important in the history of the world. And then he begins to say some other things about our identity. Then he launches into um, his commands. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For I say, uh, surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he begins to issue commands. So these commands that are not to be minimized are his teachings, his commands his instructions. He'll quote Moses, and then he'll change it. He'll raise it to another level. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Verse verse 27, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his, with, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. This is extreme heart-level teaching. The Ten Commandments dealt with our works. But it also dealt with heart because it said don't covet your neighbor's wife. Right? You don't do that with your hands. It can lead to activity. If you keep covenant, it will lead to something. So he's dealing with the hearts of men. We don't want to get into that, but let's back up while he's dealing with our, our identity. It's kind of like a pattern that Paul used in his letter to the church in Ephesus, his letter to the church in Colossians. He would talk about our identity as believers and then how we should live. So here is part of our identity as his followers. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, there on the banks of the Galilee at night, you can see cities on the other side of the lake and further down the lake. They can't be hidden because they're higher than the surface of the lake. 
and they're lit up at night with fires and torches in that day. So it's a perfect illustration. You guys are like this. The word there for you are the light of the world. He basically is saying only you are the light of the world. Only his followers are the true light of the world. Verse 15, nor do they light a lamp, but put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. If you're going to go through the trouble of lighting a lamp, you're going to put it somewhere where it benefits the most, right? Now, I know in our modern times we have mood lighting and nuanced lighting, but in that day, you know, all the lights were mood lights. <laughs> if you wanted really good light, you had to have multiple candles and lanterns. Verse 16, let your light, let's say my light, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, he echoed this in Mark 4.21, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? No, it'll catch those things on fire. Is it, it, is it not to be set on a lamp stand? And then Luke 8.16, no one when he has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lamp stand that those who enter may see the light. No one, in verse uh, Luke 11, did you find that? Luke 11, verse 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lamp stand, that those who come in may see the light. Verse 34. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. What he's talking about here, I believe, is our perspective or our perception. If we have a right perception aligned with the truth of God's word, we'll be filled with the light of revelation. We'll be filled with insights. But if our perception is off, we'll be deceived. You ever met somebody that really didn't know much, but they were convinced they knew everything? It's because our body's lamp is our eyes. It's our perspective. And everybody thinks they have perfect 2020 vision about everything. We won't bring up politics. That's really a difficult subject right now. But the sports world. Everybody knows why the Cowboys are winning necessarily. Uh, but maybe, maybe we don't know everything. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me do bring up politics. When, when a guy runs for president, he knows what's going to happen, right? He's going to do all these changes. Then when he gets in position where the things that are protected by national security become his information, suddenly he sees things differently and has to adjust his policies accordingly, right? It's true. Example, case in point, Guantanamo Bay is still open. Right? <laughs> that thing was going to be closed eight years ago, right? But when you get in position where you can see more clearly, then... You have more accuracy. 
So it is in the spiritual realm. When we see who Jesus really is and we understand his purpose for our life and who we are in him, we're filled with light. But if we don't and we believe that we're morons or we believe that we're saved by our works or we believe that um, Jesus has an eraser just waiting to remove your name from the book of life, and your being in his hand is like this rather than like this, everything you see will convince you you're right. Every scripture you read, everything will say that to you. Because your perception, the lamp of the body is the eye. I'm going to speak to you today on the subject, light him up by shining your light. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. No, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Light them up, illuminating our community with acts of kindness. If we're just religious people just coming to church, playing pat a cake and, and doing religious exercises, and it does not benefit our fellow man, we are not walking in obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ. Amen? So he begins with this promise, with this command, before he launches into all these multiple, these 70 plus commands, by telling us, you're the light of the world, and you guys walk in obedience to me, the world will glorify the Father. Light shining involves identity. He said, you are the light of the world. The Greek word there for you is in the indicative sense, which means you specifically. It literally can be only you are the light of the world. Tell your neighbor, you. Respond, you too. Light shining involves visibility. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It is not God's will that we move into caves and move into monasteries and and save up Enough food to survive on where we don't have to mess with people. That is not God's will. We must be among the people if we're going to shine the light, right? Light, you you know, you may have a closet light turned on right now, but it wasn't your intention. Because there ain't nobody in there. But if you have a wonderful light and you turn it on, you want it to benefit people. You don't just turn it on and then put a cover over it so you can't see it, right? Either I'm stating the really obvious or I'm losing you. So time for some humor. Did you hear about the church that had a fundraiser to buy a chandelier? And one of these churches that had business meetings, and they voted on everything all the time. And, and uh, a hillbilly stood up at the back during the business meeting to vote on whether or not to have this chandelier. And said, I'm against it for three reasons. pastor said, you don't want us to get a chandelier? No, I'm against it for three reasons. Number one, it's too expensive. Number two, ain't none of us here can spell it. Number three, nobody here knows how to play it. And number four, what we need around this place is some lights. Light shining involves boldness. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. When you are filled with the Spirit of God... This is the key. This is not picking up yourself by your own bootstraps and smiling at people and trying to shine for him by your own efforts. 
But just be filled with the Spirit of God, and you'll, you'll have a smile people can hear, right? When my pastor first began pastoring, he was a new believer, and uh, he wanted to shine for Jesus, so he would wear a pretty big wooden cross around his neck. And he got called for jury duty one day. So he's in this hallway there in, in uh, Dallas County waiting to be called, and there's, there's benches on the sidewalls. You, you've been there, and just people just waiting. And, and he stands up, and he's smiling. He's trying to glow for Jesus. And uh, somebody at the end of the hallway does this to him. He says, man, they're going to ask, what must I do to be saved? They're seeing the light. I'm shining for Jesus. Hallelujah. So they went over to them, and they motioned to bend down to him, and they said, you're unzipped. He was shining for Jesus. Light shining involves functioning. When we flow on our gifting, when we function in the way God made us to function, in serving our fellow man with the gifts that we are able to serve and bringing kindness and prayers and encouragement to people. We're being lit up for Jesus. God knows before we serve the Lord, we got lit up for the wrong reasons. Amen. We can't light them up unless we're lit up, right? And so there's things you can do that nobody else can do. If you're on dialysis, you are touching lives that nobody else can touch who, who isn't on dialysis. They'll think, yeah, you're encouraging me, but you're not here. But if you're there and you're in the trenches with them, you can be a light for the Lord. Just give your testimony. Just, just share an encouraging word, pray, and God will give you a word to say. A light shining involves willingness. People don't light a lamp. To hide it, they light it to put it on a lampstand. We must first have, Paul wrote, a willing mind. Not enough to give, but it's a willingness to give that brings blessing to the Lord. Be willing to be used, to be served. Do you ever feel used? We need to be willing. Just let it happen. Our crucifixion has been arranged, so let's embrace the cross the Lord has for us. Take it up and follow him. Light shining involves good works. Obedience to his commands, but actually good works, things that are good, things that put a smile on somebody's face. One day we're going to stand before the Lord. He'll divide the sheep from the goats, and he'll say, I was hungry and you fed me, or he'll say, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was in prison and you visited me, or I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink, or I was thirsty and you didn't. I was naked and you clothed me, or I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick. And you visited me, or I was sick and you didn't visit me. So we are the hands and feet of Jesus. He's the head, we're the body, and we're here to fulfill his purposes. And this isn't on the note card in the bulletin, but I had to add a seventh one. I just can't help myself. Light shining involves reflecting the love of God. The love that you and I have been given, we're to give it to others. Here's the truth. Like the moon lighting up the night sky, so are we to light up this dark world, reflecting the light we receive from God. When it's a full moon, it's a different kind of night, isn't it? And when the church is shining for the Lord, it's a different kind of world. We're making a difference. We're night lights 
for Jesus. All right, now we're going to talk about light hiding, rounding the basis, coming, heading home. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket. Remember the song? We heard it before we started. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. It is possible to hide your light. It is. And here's several things. Selfishness hides our light. Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed just for you? No, you light the lamp to bless everyone in the house. Uh, Light hiding involves poor vision. The lamp is the body of the eye. If your eye is good, your body is full of light. If your eye is bad, you're filled with darkness. Where there is no vision, people perish, Proverbs says. So, The light that has come to you is not for you only. It's come to you for others. If if you have a form of godliness that has you so centered on yourself and you're being blessed, you're missing out on the joy of Jesus. A lot of Christians don't sing it, but they're living it. It's to the tune of amazing grace. They think this is praise and worship. Me, 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 you know, and, and our culture reflects that, you know, I did it my way or have it your way. I mean, just think of all the, the marketing slogans that are out there. I love intimate worship, but it's not about us. It's about him being glory. It's about him who is holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy to him who was and is to come. Be blessed in glory and honor forever. May the Lord clear up our vision. Distraction. The parable of the ten virgins. It's all about their lamps being lit. They ran out of oil. It's normally to, normal to teach this lesson about, I think, their bridesmaids who had to have lamps, kind of like their ticket to get into the wedding. And five of them were wise and had preparations for the future. Five of them were foolish and didn't. And so often when you hear this parable taught, it's the importance of having the fullness of the Spirit in your life. But why didn't they have oil? They were distracted with other things. Maybe you're distracted with family drama. You know, maybe you're holding a grudge against someone and it's keeping you preoccupied with problems rather than the problem solver and being a solution. Misinformation. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. People often do not shine their light because of what they believe. They've heard something, they believe something that is just not true. It's just not accurate. And that lack of information keeps them from their stuff. I have two other points and some subpoints, which kind of gets into this misinformation thing. Uh, light hiding involves fellowshipping darkness. Ephesians 5.11 tells us to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, this doesn't mean we're not to shine our light for people that are living in darkness, but they're foolish works 
You know, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard for fellowshipping with uh, prostitutes and tax collectors, but he never got drunk with them. He never became their customer. Hello? You know what I'm talking about. He didn't fellowship with their unfruitful works. So we don't fellowship with the unfruitful works, but some people do. Um, and and uh, that will put your light out, definitely. Now here's the other thing that I was referring to earlier. Light hiding involves fear of darkness. You ever been afraid of the dark? Little kids, we had a guest in our home for three days recently, and when I would close up the house at night, I would notice... There's light coming in under the door, a lot of light coming under the door where this person was staying. When I would get up really early in the morning, a lot of light coming under the door where this person was staying. There's obviously some fear of the dark at work there. Well, you may not be afraid of physical darkness, but you may be afraid of spiritual darkness because of misinformation, because of things you believe. If this speaks to you, write it down and consider it. some people are afraid of the darkness because they believe that people are darkness. This is a, this is a bad thing. People are evil. Got to stay away from the darkness. When 1 Peter 2.9 says this is about us, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Whether you realize it or not, God has called you out of darkness. Maybe you were raised in a church-going family, but I'm telling you what, you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were saved from things rather than out of things, maybe. So people aren't darkness. They live in darkness, and they need our light. Another misinformation people believe that makes them afraid of the dark is believing darkness means the end. Oh, it's the end. No. Darkness signals the beginning. Think with me now. Um, It's normal for us in Western culture at sundown to say, well, the day is over. But in Jewish culture, that's when the day begins. And it goes all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, Genesis 1 God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness, can we say darkness, was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. So darkness is not necessarily the sign of the end. It's the sign of a beginning. Why are graduation exercises called commencement ceremonies. Two different words, graduation and commencement. Because a graduation isn't an ending, it's actually a beginning. So the darkness you see in the world may be God pointing something out to you that you're going to have an impact in. Maybe the beginning. Also, some people are afraid of the dark because they think darkness is equal to light. Stephen Wright crazy comedian who has all these quirky things, says, you know, if your car travels at the speed of light, would your headlights work? Things like that, you know. Why are apartments called apartments when they're so close together? Apartment owners got together 
said we need a new con so we can make some more dough. So they came up with the con dough. He said, if the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, what is the speed of dark? Because light dissipates dark, darkness dissipates at the speed of light. If we turn off all the lights in this room like we did earlier, darkness would leave at the rate those light switches are turned on. It would leave at that light. So light is not dark's evil. Um, um, dark's equal. Darkness is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. Cold is the absence of heat. So darkness is the absence of light. So what the dark world needs is your light. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Gates aren't coming against the church. Gates are not offensive weapons. They're defensive mechanisms, right? Aren't they? You don't see gates walking down the road harassing the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church means the church will prevail against the gates of hell. So we're the ones on the offensive. We're the ones represented by light. And finally, believing that the darkness is growing. Darkness doesn't grow, but light can dissipate. And if you see darkness growing... That is because the light is people are putting their lights under a bushel. Satan is blowing people's lights out. We've got to shine. We've got a job to do. And by being filled with the Spirit and willing to be obedient and reflecting Jesus everywhere we go and putting our hands to the plow, we will make a difference in this darkened world and we will see the light spreading. The absence of light. The loss of direction. No frame of reference. The presence of fear and uncertainty. Void. And then, a light. It starts as a flicker. It's not glaring for all to see. But it's a light nonetheless. Beautiful and mysterious. Helping us to see. Guiding us. Warming us. Comforting us. It is growing. It is shining brighter now. In one timeless moment, something of heaven is birthed through the tears of a teenage girl and the cry of a newborn baby king. All of heaven is perched at the edge of the sky, watching waiting. God is sending the light of heaven into the dark of this world, to the young, to the old, to the weak, to the strong, 
to the lost, to the found. He is coming to us. He is walking with us. He is dying for us. He is living in us. Our unthinkable darkness is being shattered by unbearable light. And we gather to see, to view with fresh eyes again, the light that all the darkness in the world cannot ever extinguish. Jesus is the light of the world. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. Let's pray. Father, in the name of our Messiah, I pray that this word would bear fruit in our lives, that we would not only light them up on days we set aside to do that kind of thing, but Lord, we would become lights everywhere we go, that people can hear our smiles and see our good works. Not that we're earning salvation, but we're out of appreciation serving people who need salvation. Help us, Lord, to repent of every shred of unselfishness in Jesus' name. Give us that pure and undefiled religion that visits widows and orphans in their distress and keeps ourselves unspotted from the world. In Jesus' name.